Hi, Gibby. Hi, you are listening to Gibby's Guide, the podcast, episode six. A taste of Kyle's ice cream dreams and being together. Meet Kyle Rand, co-founder and CEO of Rendeavour, whose neuroscience research into the cognitive decline of the ageing population led to his innovative use of VR in overcoming social isolation. The company is behind Multibrush, the multiplayer 3D painting tool, which has just added pass-through and avatars, and a free family-orientated social app called Alcove. Just tell me a little bit about your personal journey because you've gone from teaching Taekwondo to kids, uh, a volunteering, uh, giving ice cream to the elderly, neuroscience research. It's a, it's a long story. It, it is a long story. Um, and every time I tell the story, I feel like I remember a different component. But what, what you'll notice is that I've always worked in some capacity with older adults and I think the the big moment for me was really in college. So we can go back to the beginning. You know, as you mentioned, as a kid, I would spend about half of my time working with children and teaching them Taekwondo. And then in the summers, I would spend the other half of my time volunteering at a local senior living community where I had the absolute pleasure of going in and scooping ice cream. And there's one moment that has just always stood out to me where a gentleman walked into the ice cream parlor. I locked eyes with him and I pointed at him and I said, I know you want rum raisin with chocolate sprinkles. And the smile that spread across his face from that little, little moment of recognition and human connection was just something that like has stuck with me forever. And it made me really realize just how powerful little moments of connection can be, especially for this demographic. And then, so I went on to school and I studied uh, two things. I studied uh, neuroscience and biomedical engineering. And so I worked in two different labs. And in one of the labs, I was working with monkeys, and we were building kind of an understanding of some of the uh, basic kind of neural principles that led to uh, the development of prosthetics. And really, we were doing really, really cool work. And then in the other lab, I worked with older adults, and we were studying kind of how functional changes or structural changes in the in the brain uh, related and caused changes in, you know, decision-making models in older adults and how that differed across age groups. And, you know, I, again, that was another time where I was splitting my time. This time it was very, very clear to me that working with monkeys was not my passion, hmm. <laughs> but working with older adults, I just, I fell in love with it. And they're older, older adults are really, they're such a joy to work with. And then right around the time that I was graduating, I, uh, my second grandmother, unfortunately, had a really negative experience. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer, and it caused our family to go through the really difficult decision-making process of finding her the right place to age in a way that she was cared for and supported, but you know, obviously also had an opportunity to continue to enjoy her life. And the seeing that process secondhand and how it impacted her and my family, it was just, it was really tough. And, you know, fast forward a few years later, we started digging into what happens to, to a lot of our grandparents when they make this transition is they fall into this trap of social isolation. And 
when that happens, you know, prolonged social isolation, the research is very clear now and it shows that it correlates to a 30% increase in risk of stroke, in risk of heart disease, a 50% increase in risk of dementia and premature cognitive decline. We're talking about depression and anxiety and risk of suicide, uh, immunosuppression. It even ties to diabetes and it's just this dangerous place to be. And so we took a step back and right around the time that we were building this company, um, VR was pretty, pretty new and we tried on this headset and you know, if, if you boil it down, you put on this headset, you can go anywhere in the world and you can do anything. And if you can do that and you can deliver that to someone who otherwise is somewhat limited in their access to the world, the, the impact is phenomenal. And then if, if you can do it where they're not alone, but they're doing it with someone, whether or not that's a current friend or a family member, or just someone who lives down the hall who they see every day, but maybe don't have a connection with, you can really, really get them to have these small moments of connection that can go on and become a really fully formed relationship. And kind of that's, that's how we got started. And we started the company six years ago and we were just announced as one of Times 100 most influential companies here in 2022. So uh, it's 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 been a big journey. It's been a really uh, wonderful journey to be a part of. You, you, I mean, we can go down lots of roads here, but just going back to mm-hmm. the social isolation, you, you and the the shocking statistics you were putting out there. I, I, I noticed that you related social isolation to being something that's as bad as smoking. Yes. Yes, I think that's that's one of the statistics that always makes people kind of stop in place. It's uh, th- there are studies that show that prolonged social isolation is as detrimental to one's health as smoking fifteen cigarettes a day. Hmm. And what's interesting is, as a society, we all know how bad smoking is. And five years ago, I don't think anybody really understood just how bad this concept of being lonely actually was. Now, obviously, a few years. Uh, past or a couple years past the start of the pandemic Mm. we've all experienced isolation firsthand and and we have a sense of of what it can do to us but uh, while the world may be opening up for a lot of people it there is a large contingency of people where their lives will continue to be limited and vr is a really powerful tool to open those worlds back up did you have a sort of light bulb moment when you realized exactly that the power of vr to help these people yeah, I mean, there, there's been a number of moments that I can draw back to, but I think really the, the most powerful one for us was um, one of the first big senior living groups that we started to work with. They, they did a pilot in a couple of their communities. And I remember their uh, head of innovation called me and was like, you, you, you have to hear what I just saw. Like, I, we, we just did a Rendever session. And it was awesome, and everybody was like super fun, having a great time. But what happened after the session was even better. You know, we we took the headsets off, we put them back in their carrying case, and what I saw then was the residents who just did that session. They actually went to lunch together, hmm. and when I popped into the lunchroom, they were sitting at the same table, and they were having this like really engaged conversation about the experience that they just had, and it was taking them all over the place, and. That was huge for me hearing that because, you know, our kind of what we've really understood and what we've really built as our core driving principle at the company is that the foundation of human connection is positive shared experiences. 
And what we're delivering with VR is these positive shared experiences. And it's so much more than just what you're doing in VR. It's, we love to say that the magic really happens when you take the headset off and to hear from one of our early partners exactly that, that he was so excited, not by the experience itself, but by the fact that people were having lunch together afterwards. Hmm. That was a, that was a really, really big moment for us. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's not the obvious thing that you first think of, but it's, it's kind of rebuilding trust between people. Exactly, exactly. And we actually did a study early on with MIT Age Lab and Benchmark Senior Living, which is a big group up here where I'm based in New England. And we found that after just two weeks of daily shared experiences in Rendever, uh, we did see a statistically significant decrease in depression scores, which is awesome. But we also saw increases in measures of social health and most interestingly, significant increases in feelings of trust. So people actually really did start to trust each other more through these experiences. And when you think about what a relationship needs, like fundamentally trust is so important. Can you, can you, um, without getting too technical, but just explain a little bit how you brought your neuroscience research into your work? Oh, that's a very, very interesting question. Um, you know, I think I got to think about that one. Or what branches of research did you think that's going to work in VR? Or I discovered that this is, you know, the way forward using this technology. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, what I really saw as an undergrad as, as exciting about neuroscience was the societal impact and like the tie between the way that our brain works, the way that we intake information and then, you know, go about our day-to-day lives. Like I, I was really always fascinated by the tie between the hard science of what happens in this beautiful brain of ours and how that actually leads to um, human life and modern day life. And what was really interesting for me was, was seeing how um, when we think about the neuroscience of humans and we see like the ties between neuroscience and cognitive psychology, so much of who we are as people is defined by the relationships that we have in life. And so honestly, like more and more of the uh, cognitive psychology side has really played out how we approach this because so much of the way that our brains work and the the way that we work as individuals and the ways that we work as individuals within an overall community, it it comes down to the psychology there. Mm. And this, there's this big kind of concept of how do we inspire connection? How do we make people feel like a part of a broader community that has ties into all sorts of, you know, fundamental needs of us as human beings, you know, going back to like Maslow's hierarchy. And so, you know, when we think about it, like what we're doing with this technology is we're really utilizing VR to empower a shift in senior living communities where they're able to connect, they're able to build authentic relationships and they're able to build this capacity to thrive while aging. And all of that isn't just, you know, they're having a good time in VR. It's they're taking these VR experiences and these shared experiences and we're delivering them in a way that really creates meaningful connection and authentic connection that dials in on, you know, their past experiences and stories that are personal to them. Right. So, but by tapping into those things, that's how we're actually building community. So what's happening inside our brains when we're, when we're searching for this uh, togetherness? Oh my gosh, that, that is a, that is a podcast for people 
that are far, far more advanced <laughs> and that you, would take, well, I think, a I few know, hours to really in gen- dive into. Okay, of course it is, but in journalistic layman yeah. terms, sure, could, sure, you, sure. could you so, give us a clue? Yeah, for sure. So there's a few brain chemicals that are at play that really define our overall mood. And I think that there's a right. you know, a big understanding between community and the feeling of being a part of a community and, and our mood, right? And so I think the big one, you know, dopamine is something that I think everybody knows what it is, right? Mm-hmm. We have dopaminergic responses to all sorts of stimuli, whether or not that's desserts or, you know, entertainment or, or uh, you know, name a whole host of things that are going to give us a good dopamine hit. But when we build communities, what we're actually doing is, you know, you have the dopamine, but you're actually building on oxytocin. Um, and oxytocin is something that people really understand in like the mother and child bond and, and mm-hmm. any, any like authentic, warm human relationship we tend to think of as oxytocin. So there's really interesting opportunities to explore like an oxytocin response within these experiences. For an end user of the of the Quest 2, I mean, there's two applications, Multibrush and Alcove that you have out there. As soon as Google open sourced Tiltbrush, you know, at the beginning of 2021, we got really excited. And we got really excited because obviously we've been playing in Tiltbrush for years, but we also were keenly aware that the biggest feature request was social, right? People wanted to be able to create together. And especially during the pandemic, right? There was all sorts of opportunity to mm. lift up the VR artist community and give them an opportunity to experience things together. And so we got really excited by that and got right to work and within 24 hours actually launched the first multiplayer version of that app and that was called uh multi-brush and i remember that uh, you were right out of the gates with <laughs> as soon as it went right. open source yeah yeah that shows just how eager and excited we were Brilliant. to be able to to connect and build communities through through art so that was really really exciting and then as we got feedback from the community um, and continue to work, we realized there was all sorts of things that we could do. So we've been uh, working hard on updates. Uh, we just have an update that we just pushed out, um, which I'll talk about in a second. And then we're, we're really looking to a future in which you know, there's all sorts of ways that the artist community can connect and can get highlighted within Multibrush. And mm. so there, there, there are some really cool ideas on our roadmap. We've started working directly with some uh, great VR artists to understand exactly how they use it and exactly what they want and you know ways that we can elevate and give them a stage to really properly uh, deliver their work on. And so as a company, we're really excited. You know, I know the community is really excited and uh, there, there's a big future here for, for VR art. We're pl- proud to be leading it. We pushed out uh, a trailer and are actively pushing out an update to Multibrush, which is including avatar support and mm-hmm. pass-through capabilities so this is really really good timing like really at the end of this interview people will be able to go in and download the latest update to multi-brush and they'll be able to create art with their friends and rather than just see it as a headset you'll actually see each other's avatars so you'll be embodied in the same way you are in, in a lot of vr experiences while creating together in these virtual spaces and you can flick on pass-through mode, and so you can actually create art within your physical space. In, which, in a multiplayer? You know, we've talk- yeah, in multiplayer. So you can have, the, the two of us can be on different parts of the world, 
and you can be in my kitchen with me and we can be painting this bowl of bananas and see <laughs> and try to create a super realistic VR interpretation of my bowl of bananas, right? Which is a lame a lame example, but if you talk to the VR artist community, there's all sorts of things that they can do. I love pass-through anyway, but to see this particular application in pass-through is a real eye-opener. I mean, I was just, I was just drawing in my, in my room. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But when I stumbled across Alcove, it's a kind of family social space, right? Um, mm -hmm. Exactly. Where you can play mini games, you can watch films together, you can travel. And I, and I think you're integrated with Wanda and Multibrush, is that correct? Yeah, so for us, Alcove is really an opportunity, as you said, for families to gather together and be able to come together into this beautiful space and then experience things together, whether or not that's going and uh, exploring 360 videos or it's going to one of the apps that we have linked to the platform. Uh, there, there are all sorts of experiences that you can go and enjoy together and, and really the multiplayer experiences. But what Alcove does is it, it delivers a home. It, it gives you a space to always come back to and to spend time connecting. And this goes back to all the work that we've seen with Rendeavor, right? Where it's not so much about the experience itself when it comes to building connection, but it's really about what happens in and after that experience. And so right. Alco provides that couch to sit on, that front porch to sit on yeah. and continue to, to connect. Um, and there's, you know, tied to it. So Alcove was, was really exciting for us for a number of reasons. One of them was um, it was something that we'd been working on and then we were approached by AARP to try to see what we could do together. And so we launched it in partnership with AARP. And that obviously is exciting for a number of reasons, but uh, having the opportunity to work with such a major organization, especially a major organization who's really pushing the boundaries of how we understand the aging process and, and how we understand how caregivers can and should be involved in the aging process. Like I, it was just phenomenal for us as a company. And then in almost concert, we got funded by the National Institutes on Health and the National Institutes on Aging here in the U.S. to study what we're identifying as virtual family engagement, where uh, people come into these virtual spaces like the, the, the family room in Alcove, and they're able to go and they're able to experience things in VR, but they're able to come back together. And we're studying the impact of what that does on individuals individuals who are living in senior living communities with any form of mild cognitive impairment and their family members. And so we're studying the emotional health impact on both sides, the resident and the families, and on the overall relational health between the two. And the results that we saw during phase one were phenomenally, phenomenally positive and exciting. And so we got the green light to transition that into a phase two clinical trial that is ongoing right now across 12 locations in the wow. U.S., Wow. And the results of which would lead to? Oh, would lead to all sorts of opportunities. You know, again, I think one of the big silver linings that we have coming out of the pandemic is that people really understand what social isolation looks like, what it does to people. Yeah. And there's a lot of interest from specifically Medicare Advantage plans that are trying to understand how they can better support social structure. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, Humana is doing some cool things. There, there, there are a couple of groups that are doing cool things when they're looking at supplemental benefits and how they can provide resources that help people build healthier social connections as they age. And I think that there's definitely an opportunity where VR is one of those. And, you know, that's honestly, it's, it's really important. Like, 
going back to 10 years ago, we have research coming out of really strong research coming out of Japan that shows that, you know, the ways that we typically think about aging, where we're focused on nutrition and physical health and movement and the things that we think about that are health defining throughout our entire lives, really at a certain pace, at a certain point as older adults, those things are obviously impactful, but the strongest predictor of someone's lifespan and longevity during their old age is their social structure. Right. And so having an opportunity to build connections and, and be working in this space is, as that shift is happening is thrilling. I want to try and understand the scale of adoption of VR within, in the UK we call care homes, but it, or within the senior community. I'll just do a parallel to uh, work that was done with music and Alzheimer, where the organization managed to get funding to get iPods into an enormous number of uh, care homes, uh, which helped people um, re have a recall of, of musical memory and magical effects of speaking again and, and having this social cohesion again. How widespread is VR within senior living communities? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, the data is really positive now. So we got started in 2016. And when we started in 2016, and we brought this idea of using VR within these communities, that we got a lot of raised eyebrows and uh, not a lot of not a lot of believers originally. So we had to spend a lot of time educating the market, giving people mm -hmm. demonstrations, giving people an opportunity to experience VR themselves. And now here we are in 2022. And if you look at the largest 25 for-profit senior living operators in the United States, over a third of them have deployed some form of virtual reality technology. And that number is even higher for the largest not-for-profits in the U.S. with over 50% of them using VR in some way. What is your kind of message to the world? What are you, what you, you know, why, I suppose it boils down to why do you do what you do? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think my message to the overall VR world is that there is so much that this technology can do. And I think it's really important that while we, you know, a lot of us just love VR, right? We love the experiences. We love the games. We loved every, we love everything that, that is getting launched and that is getting launched, especially with this new hardware. But what we can never really forget is that the opportunity to impact people with this technology is so significant. If you look towards your grandparents, if you look towards uh, long-term cancer patients, if you look towards people, anybody whose life has become limited, there is an opportunity for this technology to really fundamentally change the way that they experience the world. And that's so, so, so incredibly exciting. And so I think, it's, I think it's up to all of us to make sure that uh, we don't forget that. And we understand that there are people probably in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our greater communities that would really benefit from some time in VR and, and an opportunity to, to try it themselves. And so whether or not that's bringing our own headset to them or uh, working with a company like, like ours at Rendever, uh, that's, that's something to really grasp onto and hold onto and continue to lift up as this industry continues to grow. What's really cool is that, you know, six years down the line, having, having been working on this and, and the intersection of aging and VR for so long, it's, there, there's just nothing but opportunity. And so in, in the past couple of years, we launched a live programming platform that is empowered by VR. The experiences are way better if, if 
you have a VR headset, uh, but we don't require people to have VR to be a part of it. So that's another opportunity to use experiences and build experiences that build community. And then we just recently, we launched Rendever Fit, which is really exciting. I, I love doing Rendever Fit demos. I love showing people Rendever Fit. I saw, um, I saw a video of Rendever Fit. What a brilliant idea. Just just mm -hmm. creating, uh, I don't know, it's not Beat Saber, but, but cr creating a rhythm games for people to, to move you who have less movement. It, it, that's kind of it, isn't it, I think? It, it, it is. And honestly, going back to the early days, we've always noticed that there was this really cool thing that happens where uh, someone who might be mobility limited, if you put them in a VR headset and you put them in an experience that they're really excited by, they will be motivated to move more, whether or not that's, you know, just their upper torso, their neck, their whole body. They, they will want to explore the space. And so Fantastic. they'll figure out how to move to do that. And so what Rendever Fit is doing is it's building an opportunity where those experiences are really created to get people to move and get people to exercise. And going along with everything that we do at Rendever, there is a social component with every experience that we have on Rendever Fit. Because if you can make it social, if you can get people to do it together, they're going to be more engaged, they're going to have more fun, and the impact's going to be greater. And that's what it's all about. My thanks to Kyle. Check out Multibrush and Alcove on the main store. Multibrush costs $20 and Alcove is free. The theme tune to this podcast was made by the genius that is Jonathan Crawford. He composed and recorded it in VR using the app he himself created, Virtuoso. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just search for Gibby's Guide. If you haven't already, you can pick up the guide for free at gibbysguide.org, where you'll find links to the latest issue and all the archived editions. And I'll leave the last word to my good friend, Guilherme. Virtual reality is a fucking amazing experience.